think the most authentic reality is the reality that we have no control over and it's completely out of our hands. The most authentic reality is the reality we don't have control over. We're obsessed with control. Hi, I'm Hannah Rose Sturgis, and you're listening to the In Good Time podcast. If you're new here, this is a show about time, life, growth, and art. And if you're not, thanks for coming back for the second installment of the podcast. This one is about reality. Last week, we talked about nostalgia. So this week, I wanted to understand what it feels like to be in the present. And I wanted to investigate how we feel our realities through the lens of one of my favorite genres, reality television. I brought in my friend and political scientist, Sabrina Davis, to help along the way, and we discussed the show Catfish, why we like to see others' lives, and whether reality TV is a true escape. It's a good episode. Enjoy. So, today on the In Good Time podcast, we're talking about reality, which I know we've all tried to escape for the last year, but I think the fact that we want to get rid of it so bad and yet are so obsessed with it is exactly why I want to talk about it this week. And I am so very lucky to be joined by one of my bestest friends, <laughs> one of my besties, um, Sabrina Davis, who is a fellow GW alum, graduated in 2020, and is a political scientist and is so bright and brilliant and also happens to be a <laughs> reality television connoisseur. The reason we want to talk about reality television today is because it's that it's that conflict, right? We don't like our own realities and yet we spend so much of our time watching other people's. Right, Sabby? Yeah. Um, I had listened to last week's episode because I'm a big fan of In Good Times. <laughs> and you had mentioned that social media is meant to be a reflection of our own realities when it's quite literally the furthest thing from that. So I saw a great connection there from online things to television. So I'm really excited. So when you say I'm a reality TV connoisseur, I want to make it clear that I watch throwback reality television in the sense that I think that reality TV really blew up in the early 2000s in a way that was unexpected. And I love immersing myself in that, not because it's necessarily highbrow social commentary most of the time, but I call it my guilty pleasure. I hope by the end of our conversation today, we can figure out why I have to say guilty pleasure about it. So I just want to get, I want to dive right into this idea of reality that we're talking about this week, because to me, you know, I've centered this whole idea of me wanting to even write this or record this podcast because I'm in that post-grad uncomfortable space where I know exactly what I want to do. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. I'm changing and I'm growing every single day. And I know that for you, you're in that same space. You know, you graduated in the right, really in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, We're not out of it, but things are looking different, somewhat different, I guess, than last year. Um, Right now, what is reality to you? Right now, reality feels like limbo, honestly. Um, Graduating in the middle of the pandemic was extremely hard because unemployment skyrocketed at that time. And it was 
more around the time where places were laying people off rather than hiring them. Um, now I do childcare and I am trying to carve a path for myself um, for political activism through education or legal advocacy, but in all honesty, reality felt extremely scary to me, especially at the start of the pandemic. I had to figure out where we were going to go to college, seeing awful, horrifying videos on the news of hospitals, either in America or abroad. And Netflix has skyrocketed in this time. And people are trying to, I think, not just entertain themselves to keep busy in the house, but also kind of step away from the current reality, especially in America, of a sharp uptick in hate crimes and racial violence and disease rampant in the air economic uncertainty, insurrections, things are crazy right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, you, you, you hit on it, you know, we're trying to escape or if we mm-hmm. can't fully escape, we're trying to find some, like seek Reoccupy. Seek relief. So for us as these college students, for you, especially graduating, mm-hmm. you, you had in your mind like, Oh, reality is I'm graduating with degrees, by the way, folks. She's really smart. (laughs) You know, I'm graduating. I've have a like I have a good social life, like things are good, I'm happy, and I'm gonna go off and do the things I want to do for myself, and I'm gonna have a career one day. And that's you know, that that was our reality. And then we had to accept that that's not reality. I think that our generation already has a difficult time figuring out what reality is because we're always trying to reinvent what it is because it feels Mm -hmm. uncomfortable to be 22 and uncertain, but it's always been uncomfortable to be 22. (laughs) I don't think any generation has loved 22 is wildly uncomfortable. It's wildly uncomfortable. But I think that's the question. Like, I want to ask you, why don't we want to sit in that discomfort? Like, why, why can't we accept it? Um, I've been thinking about this lately about like how sometimes I do feel overstimulated because I'm not comfortable just occupying the space and occupying the space in a way where I'm doing that passively. So I'm not on my phone or on my phone and playing music and watching TV and crocheting and <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. Um, I, the pandemic felt wildly uncomfortable also because a lot of decisions were made for us without any sort of point of reference for us to operate against. I'm one of those people who does not have a PhD in viral contagious diseases. So I just had to trust the news I got from the sources I received. And that's pretty much all I could do. And I didn't like the fact that I had so much control over my life prior to the pandemic. And 
then suddenly I was told I can't stand super close to someone in a grocery store. Not that I'm a creep who stands super close to people in grocery stores. Yeah, we don't think you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I mentioned before, Sabby and I are big fans of the hit MTV show Catfish, which yeah. if you don't know, started from um, a documentary shot uh, of surrounding Neve Shulman, who is now the host and basically the face of Catfish. When you think of Catfish, you think of Neve. And he, you know, this this whole documentary follows him. And sorry, it's been like several, like 10 plus years. So I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for everyone. He's chasing after this girl. You know, he's from New York. He's a successful dancer. You know, he's got his life going, but he meets this woman online and completely falls for her. But he's only talking to her for six months and he's just like, well, I just understand why she doesn't want to meet me. It takes him up to a farm. He's on this farm and it's not the woman. It's an older woman who is nothing like the pictures um, and has been deceiving him about everything except her genuine care and love for him. And I and Sabby and I talked about this before the show. There's something about Catfish that's really interesting because, right, it's it's about, like, it's a reality television show. We're investigating these people. We're yes. investigating realities. And at the same time, one person has one set of ideas on the situation and the other person has another set. Mm-hmm. In someone's reality, it's completely genuine how they're being. And in another person's, they, compl- they know exactly what they're doing. They know that they're stealing pictures online and lying. Um, and so... I think, you know, that was a question in our mind with with Catfish. Is it still real even if the person is fake? Are we still being real even if we construct a reality online that doesn't feel genuine? Again, I'm going to tie it back to a point you made in the previous episode and that social media is not reality. Or maybe that's a double-edged sword actually. Social media is not reality in the fact that we can all construct how we present ourselves, but we also do have agency in constructing our own realities offline, you know? But in the case of Catfish, that is intentionally manipulating the truth. What's interesting about reality TV is that fundamentally, like, there is a fourth wall. And I think such as in the world of the theater, you're trying to get the audience engaged to the point where they don't even think about that fourth wall. They don't think that they're watching something. But I know that most reality TV shows, they'll do a confessional booth or that's how they um, allow the... I don't want to call them actors, but subjects to give their feelings about what's also happening in that moment. But that's not real. And that's how they are able to do those shots where they get them to stop and then add something in there because they know that they're going to interpolate additional footage in there regardless or do a, a replay or a dramatic music shift or something like that. Um, yeah so it's spliced like we said yeah it's spliced it's it's constructed but it moves in in perfect real time Mm -hmm. it doesn't ever feel like you're skipping a beat 
we talked yes. about <laughs> so Savvy and I really prepared for this um podcast and we we had this we whole conversation did. about something that I think is really interesting and because I am an actor I do theater um you know we talked about the concept of like it's so fascinating when you're watching a play and you see a character mm-hmm. who has been completely aloof to the action there's a scene that's happened and they're completely being deceived the husband's cheating but she doesn't know she doesn't know and she's making choices based on her reality what's right in front of her and you feel so sorry for her and I think that's kind of why we like reality television because it feels like we're the audience that knows something before the character but in reality just like a play the actor knows before the audience the the subject Mm -hmm. in the in the reality television knows before the audience um I I in that same in the same note I was thinking about that further today um what's also interesting in the social media age as consumers of reality tv if these events are happening in real time and the pace of our reality we also have reactions from them online so spoilers I haven't seen it yet, but I'm a big Real Housewives of Atlanta fan. And they had just ended the season and done another reunion episode to wrap up the season. Immediately after the reunion episode, one of the housewives comes out that she's dating or engaged to the ex-husband of another housewife. And... I remember looking on Twitter, everyone was so disappointed about the season finale. And then the next day she comes out with this news and it's a huge deal because again, it is happening in real time. She's a real person, that's her life, you know? So that makes me question, maybe it's so compelling because it does happen in real time. Mm. It's not necessarily an escape, but it's definitely a distraction and it feels so real because it, progresses naturally no that's that's so well said because the matriarchs of our family like the older women in our family would sit home and like watch you know soap operas and and they would be glued mm-hmm. to the television screen but every day there'd be a new little installment be like tune in next time yes it, it, it like hooks you because it's it's mm-hmm. it's keeping you in the action I think reality television keeps us in the action without risking our own bodies our own feelings our own emotions yes and it's so easy to to just look at somebody Mm -hmm. else's life and be like girl you're a mess without me having to be like am I a mess (laughs) you can take a side in all of their drama and it has nothing to do with you I'm not one of those fans who tweets at them that's weird (laughs) sorry they yeah tweeting I think people in general (laughs) At the end of the season, when people have a deep personal question, I was like, well, why didn't you say that? And suddenly everyone else is a conflict resolution expert. Yeah, but it's, but because, but, and that's so interesting because people are like, oh, well, I feel like I don't have a personal life, but you, 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 people have become experts on you. To me, that seems, that's, first of all, that's just kind of scary. But in a way, it's like, it is true. They've become an expert on the reality you gave them. They know mm-hmm. 
from the top of the season to the end of the season, every move you've made and they're judging you based on that. Yeah. There's some people who are even super fans like that and they will like go above and beyond to know everything about the subject. Obviously, Sabrina and I would not call ourselves super fans. No one is angry tweeting after season finale. Sometimes watching the lives of others teaches us about ourselves and how the world works and where we might fit in, but we both agree that the danger is in thinking we know the whole picture when we don't even really know it for ourselves. The reality definition, the official definition of reality is the world of, or the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. Mm. I can't say that much of what we have constructed, whether it be television, whether it be social media, whether it be I mean, so many other forms that we've, we've got in the world is not idealistic. And as we talked about last week, there's something comforting about not like being idealistic. There's a reason we enjoy watching other people's lives unfold while we ignore our own unfolding. Mm. Do you, why do you think reality is so appealing and what makes it also at the same time so unappealing? I have used the Real Housewives in some of my darker moments because I don't want to worry about myself at some time. Sometimes I care about Nene Leaks and how organized her closet is and stuff like, oh, I'm gonna actually care. Like, it really doesn't make a difference for me. Sorry, Nene. But when she becomes a big fan of In Good Time. Yes, Nini, please. Um, <laughs> yes. No, um, but like Nini doesn't pay my bills. She doesn't know about my existence. And frankly, I'd like to keep it that way um, because I feel like I know a lot about her life and she knows nothing about mine. And being able to examine other people and have strong opinions about what they should or shouldn't do in their interpersonal, professional lives sometimes serves as a big relief and if not a relief definitely a distraction enough where I can forget about coronavirus and student loans and racial justice and climate change just for an hour to 45 minutes yeah I think oh gosh there's a poem that I love I love poetry. I'm probably going to talk about poetry every episode. So if that's not your thing, skip over I the like next that. few minutes. Thank you. Oh, no, you no, have to listen. Don't but, skip. but to the listeners. Yeah, now oh. you're listening. Now <laughs> you're in, girl. There's this poem called The World is Too Much With Us. And it's literally talking about what you just said, Sabby. Like, the world is too much with us. And we need to find a way to cope with it. It's by William Wordsworth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read. It's so short. I'm going to do a little (laughs) recitation. I love the poetry. I think poetry should be incorporated into every episode. Oh, and and it's going to be. The world is too much with us by Williams Wordsworth. The world is too much with us. Late and soon, getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away a sordid boon. The sea that bears her bosom to the moon, 
the winds that will be howling at all hours and are upgathered now like sleeping flowers for this, for everything, we are out of tune. It moves us not. Great God, I'd rather be a pagan suckled and a creed outworn, so might I, standing on this pleasant league, have glimpses that would make me less forlorn. Have sight of Proteus rising from the sea, or hear old Triton blow his wreathed horn. I think that that poem like arouses so many feelings in me of like, you know, this poem was literally from forever, forever ago. It's like the 1800s, but truly forever ago. And they were already feeling the burden of like the world being too much. And it's unfathomable. Like if I went to William Wordsworth, like yo Wordsworth. <laughs> hey, yo Wordsworth. <laughs> Little do you know? the world is going to get so much more to the point where if you thought your reality was too much, your reality, you're going to, you're going to have to cope with it by creating a new one. Not by just going out to the sea and thinking like (laughs) you're going to have to go out to the sea, think, film something for somebody else, post about it on social media and um, make a Substack blog about it. (laughs) Yes. As I'm doing. Yeah. But like, you're going to, you're going to have to find a way to cope with it in public I think that's that's how we construct reality it's coping in public for the hope that we find some some feeling that you know feels right and doesn't feel yes hurtful I'm joking about the substack part kind of But that poem has always really resonated with me because Wordsworth was talking about the Industrial Revolution and how when we try to reinvent, we distance ourselves from who we really are and what the world is really about. I don't know. It's just really beautiful and I love poetry, but back to the show. Yeah. You know, sometimes I watch these reality television shows and I I feel for these people because it is it does feel like I'm watching their life unfold or or go really well in real time. Yeah, um, hopefully. I don't hopefully. watch to... And I always... And it's like, I think that we we feel even more than I do in, like, scripted television. Um, I always want there to be, like, a hero. Like, I, I want them to overcome their circumstances. I think we... I've said this before. Like, we always want there to be a hero and a villain and anything. Like, we... Because we, that's just how our brains work as, as humans. We That's how we were told from jump to construct stories. Yes. Um, but I think something kind of bravely that reality television does it's it doesn't ever give you a hero or a villain it gives you really complicated situations really complicated individuals and subjects and it lets you decide for yourself how are you going to feel about it do you need to feel anything about it or are you just watching tv while you're eating dinner and you're going to turn it off in a second and go to bed like it's all a choice Mm -hmm. um It's a choice, and I think it's one of those rare instances where we can just be observers. Now, because this is also an industry, as consumers, if we continue to consume, we do bear some responsibility in enabling that behavior. Dance Moms, for instance, it wouldn't have gone on for so long if it wasn't such a commercial success. Mm-hmm. And I think if people aren't just 
because people were able to watch it and not have their own feelings hurt and it definitely wasn't their children that were up there being ridiculed and humiliated on national television our feelings weren't in it so we didn't really have to care mm-hmm. that much so we kept watching and now those girls are messed up yeah maybe that's what it is maybe our obsession with reality us chasing realities the let's like the multiple realities is a chase after dopamine it's a chase after a, a feeling that feels good do you think so yeah i think so um yeah. it's quite literally for some people no point in experiencing life in a way that's not pleasurable Mm. and reality tv gives us an opportunity to see what is pleasurable for other people and maybe see if that could be pleasurable for us oh yeah I mean I'm not a materialist person but I love watching rich people on reality tv I do I like seeing their houses. I like seeing them complain about like cars and like not being able to like move into their third mansion, blah, blah, blah. And I can say blah, 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 because that's not my life. But I bet if it's your third mansion and you want to move in, that could be kind of stressful. I'm not there yet. I'll let y'all know how it feels when I get to that point. But for now, DC is going to have to do um we had mentioned this term and I do want to bring it up here because I think it really um encapsulates a lot of our ideas well um this German term schadenfreude I'm probably butchering that I looked it up before we started I I couldn't my mouth is not phonetically equipped for that I only took two years of German um I actually did really wait so it's like schadenfreude I don't know Yes. Oh, oh, she's 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 German. I oh, genuinely wow. took two years of German. I don't. It was Fine. required in my middle school. Don't ask me why. Okay. Fine. Things to learn about your friends. Um. But the term is used to explain the sensation of pleasure being derived by someone from another person's misfortune. And I think when we have social media and reality TV, which are able to be quantitatively measured as commercial successes, whether it be through likes, upvotes, or views, then we're kind of saying that the more conflict or controversy or tension that this person goes through, the more entertaining it is to watch because we're so enthralled in the conflict or potential resolution that we do enjoy watching misfortune of the misfortune of others. Yeah. I guess, I mean, in all of every week, I'm always like, the question's gonna be like, what does that say about us as people? And yet I, mm-hmm. I try not to judge because it's like, we, do, we don't wanna be put on like 
display. We don't want to be judged, but we do it to others so we can relieve ourselves from that kind of expectation. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what to say. But Schadenfreude, <laughs> thank you Zoe, for bringing up that big, that um, million dollar word. The word of the day. Word of the day. All I wanted to say this week was love your reality for what it is. It's hard being this age, and I can only say that because this is the only age I've ever been. But... Um, I'm sure it'll be hard in 10 years for a different reason. And that'll be my reality. So give yourself time, but love the time that you're in. I love that. That was really beautiful. Aww. Savvy, any last thoughts you want to share with the audience, the folks at home, the good old listeners? Try to be your most authentic self. And if that means stepping away from trying to create a reality, I think something true to yourself will come to light. And I'm not gonna tell you how to interpret that reality if you're satisfied with it or not. That is a personal decision. But I think as we transition out of this weird limbo, which we started the episode with, we can all practice getting more comfortable being a bit more, being more like participant observers in our reality. Mm, I like that. That, I will leave with that. Be a little bit more present every day. Yes. And with that folks, that's all the time we have for the show. Thank you so much to Sabrina Davis, aka Savvy, for joining us on this episode. Thank you for having um, me. And for, for really getting philosophical and deep for, with reality television, I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you didn't think course. we could do it, oh, folks, but then we did. So. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, before I go, I mentioned this in the newsletter, but some of the best acting advice I got was last year when I was in the theater production that had to be done over Zoom. We had to decide what the character's reality was and translate it to a digital space. In one rehearsal, my director goes, be here now. Meaning don't run from the confusion or the sadness or even the joy. Be here now. This has been the In Good Time podcast. I'm Hannah Rose Sturgis, and please remember to share, subscribe, and tell all your friends. Until next time, bye-bye.